Hello and welcome back to the California Work Comp Report. Dr. John Alchemy returns today to discuss part two of our four-part series on what is an impairment report, wherein he discusses the examination portion. Hi, my name is Dr. John Alchemy with RateFast, and today I'm talking on a topic included under impairment report anatomy and applications. Today, what I'm going to talk to you about is the physical exam for impairment ratings. This is something that might sound like it's pretty much straightforward, but what I really want to introduce to you is some ideas and concepts about the physical exam that are often missed or not addressed or documented in reports. In the physical exam, it's very important that we have vital signs. And vital signs are important because they also include height and weight. And in a lot of reports, particularly orthopedics, with the mid-back uh, down to the foot and ankles, we want to know if the individual is obese, meaning their BMI is over 25 or more, because this plays into role with both understanding um, risk factors for something like nerve entrapment at the elbow and the wrist, because it uh, is eligible for apportionment, or just the activities of daily living loss, because we know that obesity does contribute to both osteoarthritis and functional pain. Um, so it's really important um, that maybe when you're doing these vital signs, take a quick look. If you're a doctor doing it, make sure you have a height and weight documented somewhere in the chart, but always put it back into the PR4 because the stakeholders are going to be looking only at this PR4 report and it has to tell the whole story. So um, when we're talking about um, vital signs, Blood pressure, of course, if you're doing a cardiovascular case. Respiratory rate, of course, if you're doing a pulmonary case. But BMI, if you're doing an orthopedic case, is important. Moving on, um, the general orthopedic report. What we want is kind of the standard physical exam that we were taught in medical school. We want to do an inspection. We're looking for scars. We're looking for joint enlargement, um, symmetry of the shoulders, asymmetric motion, um, all of those things. So it's an inspect situation. Palpation. We want to know the condition of the muscles. Are they, to are they tender? Where are they tender? What part of the joints um, are tender? Are the muscles guarding or are they having spasm? And just a little set aside here, in the spine, palpation for spasm and guarding is a rateable finding. So always document when you're doing a spine, palpation of the muscles. And it, it's even more helpful if you say no spasm, no guarding, to specifically call that out. Um, to say a muscle's tender is all, all good and fine, but um, it, it's, it's important that we have that context, particularly in the spine ratings, for guarding and spasm. Okay, so we've done inspection now. Next thing is range of motion. Now, in symmetric body parts, shoulders, elbows, wrists, thumbs, and fingers, the AMA guide specifically would like to have a set of range of motion on both sides. So it's a unilateral injury. We want ranges of motion. Why? Because the AMA guide says that we have to use the uninjured side as the baseline for the impairment reference. And so that means that maybe the AMA guides say I have to um, elevate my shoulder to be 180 degrees forward flexion to be normal. That's not the case for some people. And for some people, 170 degrees is normal, but we don't know that unless the uninjured side is documented. So when you're doing orthopedic upper extremity exam, for example, we want both sides documented. Now, the AMA guides also goes out of its way to say, well, these ranges of motion ideally are done with 
um, a goniometer. A goniometer that measures the ranges of motion in the shoulder, for example, there's six planes of motion. Now, ideally under perfect circumstances, we would like those ranges of motion recorded to the nearest degree. Now, unfortunately, this is not always the case. Um, doctors don't necessarily have time or understanding how to do that. And, and what we're really after is a good flavor and an understanding. Now, most of the reports I look at that come in from primary treaters are visual estimates. I will see numbers that end in zero and five. Flexion, 160 degrees. Extension, 35 degrees. Internal, external rotation, et cetera, et cetera. And, and, and everyone understands that it's not perfect that we can get these measurements all the time to the nearest degree. But do your best. If you're going to do a visual estimate, do it twice because the AMA Guides likes to have it done twice. We want to use the best effort and the highest value for basing the impairment rating. And again, we would like the opposite side if possible. Um, under minimal standards, if you even just report the ranges of motion of the shoulder, forward flexion 160, extension 20 degrees, external internal rotation, et cetera, et cetera, and say opposite side normal, it's better than nothing. So the point I'm trying to get across is that when we're doing ranges of motion, if it's a symmetric body part, unilateral injury, one side only, do your best to document the ranges of motion in as many planes as you can and compare it to the other side. Now, all of this I'm talking about, we'll talk about in another lecture called data integrity. Data integrity is something new that we do at RateFast, and it's basically where the, when the rating gets done, we're doing a systematic check of all the documentation, what's supposed to be there, what's actually there. So at the end of the provider's um, uh, physical exam, diagnostic test description, the rating, we actually report something called data integrity. A perfect report done exactly to specifications of the AMA guides is an integrity score of 100%. A data um, report that's missing everything, history, physical exam, diagnostic tests, everything is a zero. So again, RateFast is watching all of these things in a physical exam, and I'm here to tell you because I'm the guy that looks at it all. So, so we want to make sure that when we're writing an impairment report, doing the physical exam, we want the most compelling report that tells the best story about the individual and their injury at maximal medical improvement. So again, it's very important that we try to include all of these elements in the physical exam section so we have a compelling story and it's consistent with the final impairment report we're going to be reporting to the stakeholders. Next, I'm going to move on to muscle testing. Muscle testing is graded on a score of 0 to 5. 5 is normal. 0 means you're paralyzed. Most of the time when we're checking muscle testing, it's going to be limited because of pain, not because of true neurologic weakness or a pinched nerve or an entrapment. Now, that certainly can happen. But for the most part, this is due to pain-related uh, weakness. And, and the AMA Guides knows about this, and often it does not rate or count rating for weakness if there's a mention of, in the upper extremities, pain or loss of motion. Usually weakness will not be um, scored under these conditions. So again, motor strength testing, zero to, zero to five. Five is normal, zero is totally paralyzed. Four means weak, but not normal. And then three means that you can move it against gravity. 
two, side to side, one, maybe a little bit of contraction, zero, you're paralyzed. And that's a pretty standard definition of the scoring of muscle strength. Zero paralysis, five is normal. And that's basically what's taught in medical school and all the physical exam classes. So, you know, not a lot of specialty knowledge right there, but strength is really important. Um, for instance, I'm doing a shoulder exam and I want to rate someone for some weakness in their shoulder. A couple of things I need to have documented if I want it to count in the rating. The first is I need to say in the shoulder forward flexion, there is zero pain. I might have it in abduction or external and internal rotation, but I'm documenting for everyone that in forward flexion, there is no pain. So I've taken that off the table. I'm halfway there to getting a rating for weakness. Point two, shoulder range of motion flexion, full, normal, no loss. If I have those two things and I'm talking about weakness, no pain, full range of motion, now I can get on the table and get some impairment rating for the weakness. Now, a lot of people don't understand this, but again, two things you have to have, particularly in the upper extremity for rating weakness. One, no pain. Two, full range of motion. So keep that in mind. The next part of the physical exam I want to talk to you about is sensory and sensory loss and documenting that. This is something that is not inherently done at a basic physical exam with the injured worker. So I want to go over this. It's important. And it's important if you want to get credit for the injured worker for sensory loss and impairment. Typically what happens is when we do a physical exam, we have the patient uh, tell us if they have a decreased sensation. Maybe we're looking at a dermatome from the neck or peripheral nerve in the hand like carpal tunnel or ulnar impingement, something like that. But, but most commonly what we'll see or what I see in the physical exams that come through is that the patient has decreased light touch. And that's all fine. That's all good and fine. And, and the severity of the sensory documentation includes light touch. It's just that it's called something called grade four. And grade four has a very limited range on the amount of impairment that it's going to allow when a physical exam is documented with decreased light touch. Now there's a couple of ways that you can document sensory loss objectively in accordance with the AMA guides. And, and here's what they are. The first is two-point sensation. You have two points, you touch the skin, and you measure how far apart the individual can sense two points on their skin. Pretty simple, two-point sensation. The other one is monofilament testing. This one I don't come across very often, but it is a rateable element and a documentable, and a documentable way to get impairment rating. Typically, um, a hand monofilament set, if you've ever seen it, they're made out of like a fish line and they have different weights. And the stiffer the weight um, that the patient can feel means the more impairment of the nerve. Um, just as a small guide, I typically use a 10 gram monofilament. And if the patient can feel that, that's normal. And that also tends to be the weight at which um, the diabetic monofilament determines if there's protective sensation in a foot when you're doing a diabetic exam. Again, as an example, the heaviest one in the set is 300 grams. It's almost like a broom bristle. And if you cannot feel that monofilament, you've lost all protective sensation. So that, those are the, really the two main monofilaments I recommend when I'm teaching people about sensory loss, AMA guides rating, impairment rating. Um, I start with a 10 gram monofilament. If you can feel that, we're done, you're normal. If you can't feel that, move on to the 300 milligram. If you can't feel that at all, you've lost all sensation. And, and it's a really simple and direct way to do it. But backing up again, 
two-point sensation, and monofilament light touch. You have three tools for sensory loss, light touch, two-point sensation, and monofilament. Now, let's talk a little bit about two-point. Normal two-point sensation is six millimeters or less with the two uh, prongs. It can be a um, paperclip. It can be a caliper that you have. It doesn't really matter what it is as long as you do it and you know how far apart they are. The next break point in the two-point sensation is 7 to 15. 7 to 15 is like a moderate loss of sensory. So if your two points are between 7 and 15 millimeters, that's the next break point for two points. And then the worst one, or the one with all sensation loss, is greater than 15. It means that you can't feel two points on your skin. For instance, in the median nerve, if you're checking a carpal tunnel, if you cannot feel two points at 15, um, then you have some problems. And that's, that's a maximum loss. So that's basically sensation in the AMA Guide's physical exam. Um, now, the last thing that I'm going to talk about is special tests. Special tests means that it's um, a special test. So, for example, in a knee, you might check for laxity from the cruciate ligament or the collateral ligaments, moving it back and forth, feeling for the end point, seeing if it's sloppy. Again, you're comparing it to the opposite uninjured side if you have one. And that's a rateable finding. It's a special test. It's laxity. It's the anterior drawer test or the posterior drawer test. Shoulder um, subluxation or instability that's a rateable finding. So, so there are some things in the AMA guides under special tests that um, are allowable. Most doctors will basically have their orthopedic exam. Laxity for a knee, for example, is already included. So if you have some basic mainstream special tests that you do in your physical exam, go ahead and put them in. Um, but for instance, things like a carpal tunnel, a tineal test or a Phelan's test, and if those are positive, it's nice to know. It kind of helps the diagnosis confirm that you have nerve entrapment, but it's not a rateable special test. So that's the other thing I wanted to make sure that we have in our physical exam are the special tests. So for the most part, doctors can do okay with the integrity of their exams, doing their basic office exam, not thinking about it too much. And it's going to place someone's integrity for their physical exam probably between 50 and 65%. That's kind of a standard, but if you want to get up to that 100% integrity for your physical exam, you're going to need to do the two-point test. You're going to need to do the strength testing document zero to five. Um, all of these things, ranges of motion, both sides, nearest degree. So you can see that there's a wide range of the quality of physical exams that go into the impairment rating. So I hope this was helpful. I hope you've learned some things about the physical exam. And again, today I'm talking about impairment report anatomy and applications. Thanks for listening. To learn more about impairment reports, visit our blog at blog.rate-fast.com. To try the RateFast Express impairment rating report writing service, visit rate-fast.com. And if you have any questions or comments about our show, feel free to email us at caworkcompreport at rate-fast.com.